girls. Um, okay, so glad that you guys are here. Truly welcome. Um, it is our heart to nurture, encourage, and strengthen and train you as a mom. And so I'm so glad that you took the time to come to be here today to, to do just that. Um, I'm excited. Today is our um, topic is purposeful pruning. If you can imagine, that's discipline. We're going to be talking about discipline. And so we're so glad that you're here. You're in store for a special, special treat. A couple of announcements. Um, our next event and our last one for the school year is May 6th. So that's coming up May 6th. Registration will open next week. And the topic is fun. Can you dig it? So we're hoping to send you off into your summers with just a great perspective of what it looks like to have fun with your kids of all ages. So be sure to register and join us for that. Also, um, our Hands and Feet Ministry, it's a service project group for you with little bitty kids. Um, you got two things when you walked in today. You're not going to want to miss this. Um, there is on the screen, these are the projects that you can do this month. And it's a serve, serve where you are, which means this is something you can just go and take and do on your own. You can bring some friends with you if you want to. You can do it as a family, etc. So be sure to use this resource. These women take a lot of time thinking and preparing and coming up with creative ways to hand off to you so you can go and teach your kids how to love God and serve others. Also, you got a survey from them. Um, it would really bless them to have some feedback. Um, the Hands and Feet team gets together and they plan all of of these things. And in the summer, we do, they do many more projects for you. And as they're preparing, if you could fill out this survey and leave it for us on the back table on your way out, that would be fantastic for them to have feedback as they prepare and spend time getting these projects ready for y'all. Um, lastly... Um, you have two handouts you should have picked up. You're going to want them. There's going to be tons of fantastic wisdom shared today, so be sure you got those. And then actually, lastly, um, this summer, in the years past, we've done something called Nest at Night. They were small groups that we did, hosted in homes. We're going to shake things up a little bit this summer, and so next month, we're going to share more about it. Um, but there will be some Nest things happening throughout this summer, so stay tuned and be on the lookout at our Facebook page. We'll also send it out via our newsletter. So if you don't get that, there's our Facebook page. And if you don't get the newsletter, be sure to sign up on that. Um, there, look at that. I mean, we're just one here. Fantastic. So be sure to sign up there and you'll hear about it from there. Okay, with that, we're going to get started. I'm going to pray as um, Elizabeth walks up on stage. Father God, thank you so much um, for a room full of women who desire to walk in your wisdom and train their kids in the way that they should go in the way of the Lord. Lord, thank you for these women that they would give their time to come here to, to spend some, have time of fellowship and specifically to be nurtured, encouraged, strengthened, and trained. And so Lord, we thank you for a church that gives us facilities and fabulous workers downstairs loving on our kids so we could be here to be sharpened. Uh, we thank you for that. I pray that you would speak through our teachers today, and that um, their wisdom would just be uh, music to our ears that it would fall on and inspire and encourage our souls. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be here with y'all today. Um, we, uh, it seems kind of like a crazy morning. I know it was for me, so I'm, I'm only imagining that it was for each one of you. Um, I want to introduce my family to you. I have three kids. Um, this is all of us after an eight-hour flight, but 
but uh, we don't have that many pictures together, so take lots of photos. That's a bonus, bonus uh, tip. So that on the end is Jessica, who just had a baby, so made me a grandmother for the first time. So exciting, just about a month ago. Carter's my oldest. Sterling will be part of our family in January, I mean in July, when my son Ty marries her. My husband, Ronnie, and I have been married 34 years, and my daughter, Addie, she's a junior in college. So when um, I started out this journey of parenting, um, we had this perfect little baby, or so I thought, and he was precious in every way, and I thought, I know I've heard that everyone is a sinner, but maybe not him. He's just so sweet and so cute and so beautiful in every way, and um, so we, we set out to try to parent and, and love him as well as we could, but before long, the next photo, he was a wild man. And I didn't know what to do. I was way in over my head. Um, he karate chopped everywhere. He was on the furniture. He was running crazy like a wild man. He was great, and I adored him, but I didn't know what to do. I was in over my head. And I read books, and I went to um, church to see what I could get help, and I had friends to walk alongside me. But um, I even took a, a parenting class, uh, and, it was, and it was all great. But probably the greatest thing I did was to start learning God's Word myself. And... Um, so the next slide, and we can see now, so that's Carter and Jessica and their new baby. And just, uh, I think if, of all the things that I did, probably myself digging into God's word has raised him up um, to love the Lord, and now they're planting seeds in the next generation. So let's begin. We've talked about our verse, um, Galatians 6, 9, all year long if you've been to some other ones. And we've kind of come with this um, harvest and farming theme, and we've, the verse says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so I just want to ask you, like, if you come today and you feel weary, you are in the perfect place, because we want to, to nurture, encourage, strengthen, and train you. Um, and it's good for you to recognize that you can't do this alone. You need other people to do it with, and you need the strength of the Lord, and so you are in a good spot, and that's okay if you feel weary. Um, we have been using this farmer harvest seeds, all the pruning and digging and all our topics have to do with this crop thing because moms and farmers actually have a lot in common if you think about it. Both of them get up early, perhaps even before the sun rises, right? Um, some of, we're all, do, farmers and moms are both doing hard physical labor, right? Um, they are planting and pruning. They work long hours, both the mom and the farmer. And um, I'm guessing that you fall into bed exhausted at night, right? Just like a farmer. So, um, we know that farmers cultivate seeds in order to get a harvest or a crop. And so, in parenting, that's kind of the same thing that we want to do. It's like, we want a harvest. We want children that love the Lord. Um, but we want, and we want, we want this crop to, to maybe look good, like obedience, like especially if you have a three-year-old, you want them to obey you. But more importantly, and what I want to talk to you about is just planting seeds in their heart. And um, we can do all the discipline part, and that's really important, but planting seeds um, so that what we, what we grow is a, is a beautiful thing on the inside and the outside. So today we're going to talk about training children and discipline. It's not just about correction, but that's really important, and Amy does a great job. She's going to cover that for you in a little bit, but it's also about proactively planting seeds. So that's where we're going to go today. You may have heard the saying, methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. I think Millie, I don't know if she, if she framed that. 
came up with it. Or, but if you think about it, first I wasn't sure exactly what that meant. Like, what does that mean exactly? And then as I kind of really pondered it, I thought the principles are few and they don't change. So what is that? Um, from the time of people back in the Bible until today, like what are the principles of parenting? What are we wanting to instill? And I think they're probably things like um, honesty and respect and certainly obedience and having a heart that's soft toward others. And so that's the principles. And those, those don't change over time. Probably people, you know, five generations back, they wanted those same things for their children just like you do. Um, but the methods, they do change. So when I was a baby, it was somebody named Dr. Spock. And then when I parented my children, it was somebody named um, the Ezos who did Growing Kids God's Way. Now today we have our, our own Millie Hale, who's awesome, and Amy teaching on discipline. And then there's people like Paul Tripp or some uh, other parenting books out there today. So the methods may change. And if you think about that, like the method of even, uh, I'm, doing the, I'm doing something with different with my two-year-old than I am with my six-year-old. And I'm doing something with this child because they're so sensitive and tender-hearted than I am with the one who's on the dresser karate chopping. So the, the methods can vary even from child to child, from family to family. But the principles of those things we want to plant, the seeds we want to plant in their heart, I don't think they change so much. Um, so, but, but before we begin to prune or to plant or to do anything, um, we need to be in the vine ourselves. Now, we're going to talk about some things today. And if, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, we would love to talk to you about that. Because some of this is not going to make too much sense. If, if that, or that just like a terminology that you've heard, but you don't understand it. We would love to share more about that with you. Um, but the verse that I want to just no, uh, take note of right now is John 15, 5. I am the vine, He's, this is Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he's just saying like, hey, you need to stay connected. You need to stay connected to me and my word because this is too hard to do alone. If you think about it, when you go to like Central Market or Aldi or wherever you go, like the fruit is off of the vine, right? And so it's just a slow process and to decay because they're not connected to the vine. The vine is where all of the nourishment comes from. And that's the same for us. Like we need to be connected to the vine in order to do this job um, to the best of our ability. We really can't give what we don't have inside. And so we can't, it's just too hard. It's too hard of a job to do just in your own strength and in your own wisdom. Um, my daughter had a science teacher back in middle school and the kids would ask her like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, what's the difference between a solution and a mixture or whatever. And he would look at the glossary and he would read it out loud. Like clearly he had no idea really what these scientific terms meant. And so it's, it's hard for you to, to try to train up a child when, when, you, when you don't have a guide map or you, don't or you don't have these things instilled in you yourself. And we're all a work in progress. We, we never arrive. I think the day we arrive is the day we go to heaven. <laughs> so it's not, you know, I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. We will never be perfect. And, and, and that's not what, what the call is. For. But just to be in the vine is really important. Now, our outline today, we have, I just want to kind of cover the how. Like, how do we do this job? How do we plant seeds? Um, when do we do it? Like, life is so busy. How do I do this? And also the what. Like, what am I even supposed to be teaching them? And so we're going to look at those. The first one is just on the how, how to plant seeds. And the, and the first thing I want to just bring up is just that um, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, what that means is like every single chapter in the Bible is from God. And he had a, a, personal, a person write it, but it's from him. It's inspired by him, and it's all true. Um, and it says that it's useful, okay? So that, like, that 
it's useful, so we need to use it. And it's useful for what things? The same things you're doing. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So using God's word as your source is a great place to start and see what the word of God says. It's a great place to filter what the world says because so many times the world will tell you something that's contrary and you're like, I don't know who to believe. You know, my church friend says this and the world says this and the TV is saying this and I don't know what to do. And so we want to filter it through God's word and use that as our, um, as our, as our guide for what is um, what, we, what we teach, what we rebuke, what we correct, and what we train. And so using that as our guide. Um, so in that, it's really important for you to gather around with you other women who are, have the same worldview because, because this is too hard to do alone. Um, so just to, it's hard, but it's harder to do alone. So connect with other women, connect with other families who want to raise their children the same way you do. Because when you're at the soccer field or something, everybody doesn't always have the same goal. Or if you're, you know, in various settings, you may be at, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and there's other people that just have a different worldview on how to raise children. And so, um, I would just encourage you to connect with other women, connect with your women at your table today, because they wouldn't be here if they didn't have some sort of a, a heart for wanting to train their children um, in a way that would be similar to yours. So, <clears throat> the, so we want to use God's word as our guide. The second how is that we want to um, do our job faithfully. And this is going to be so freeing for you to hear because we can leave the results, we can leave the harvest, um, we can leave that all to the Lord. So you are the, you are the faithful planner. Your job is to be faithful. And let's see what that looks like. You are, you are free from the pressure of exact results or perfect exact or perfect results. Let me say that again. You are free. Ladies, you are free from the pressure of exact or perfect results. It's not up to you. You can be faithful, but the Lord is the one that will do the work. And um, I want you to consider this parable. You may have heard it before um, from Mark 4, 3 through 8. There's rejoicing back there. You are not responsible for the results. Um, Okay, it says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear again. Still other, um, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And so I, think, I used to think this was like, like I share the gospel with somebody and I tell them the good news that Jesus died for their sins. And they can either accept it, and they're, the, they're that last verse about they produce a crop of 30, 60, or 100. Um, or I used to think if they say no, then maybe they're the rocky soil or the one who sprang up for a little bit and then it got scorched away. But then as I really begin to grow, I, I realize like this may be all of us all day long. Like sometimes we're very teachable and sometimes we're not. And sometimes you as a mom, like you're scattering the seed. Sometimes it falls on rocky soil and they don't get it. And you have to do it over and over and over. But the point is the farmer, they do the same thing. Their job is to scatter the seed. And that's your job as well, to do it faithfully, to do it consistently, to do it with humility. They're not, res- they're not responsible for 
the, um, the results of, where, of how that seed grows, whether or not, they, it's not, maybe your child has a rocky heart that day, or maybe they are fertile soil, but your job is to faithfully do the job. Um, and so I just think that we, when we leave the results to God, it's very freeing, um, that we can be faithful in our job, but we, and it's encouraging, like that is such a relief of pressure. You do your job faithfully, leave the results to God. So the two things on the how are just to use God's word, and to filter it with what the world says, and then to do the job faithfully. I'm leaving the results and the timing to God, because sometimes we really want a microwave child, right? We want it to happen really fast, but, but this is a slow process, and, and we're, all a process, we're all a work in progress, as our children are, and so sometimes we want to train them like three times to stop jumping on the couch, and it just takes more than that. And so um, we want to just be faithful in that job and leave the timing, the results to the Lord because none of us are finished products. So then we move on and we say, well, when do I do this training? Like we are super busy. We have so many things on the calendar and we have, there's food to cook and there's um, places to drive and there's laundry to do and there's relatives to visit and there's all these things I can't, like when am I supposed to do all this? And sometimes it feels overwhelming. But years ago, I used to, in May, I would go to this homeschool book fair and I would like get all this stuff for the summer because we were gonna have all this intentional time. And one year I bought this, uh, it was called Christian Character Traits or something like that. And I was gonna, it was like 13 weeks. I'm like, this is perfect. We're gonna take a trait a week and we are gonna like this week, we are gonna, you know, just really zone in on thankfulness. And then this week we're gonna really work on humility. And this week we're gonna work on being responsible. Well, after about three weeks, like it just didn't, it just didn't fly too well. But we, you know, we persevered. But I can tell you that if any of, if my children have any of those qualities, it wasn't from the book. It wasn't from the book that I used. It was from the Lord, first of all, but also just the consistently um, training them and uh, teaching them. It wasn't from like a program. So we can like do a program. We can like maybe take a class on this or take a class on that or, or read or watch a video or whatever. But really it's just more the constant day to day to day. Um, as we look at the scripture from Deuteronomy, it says, Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's first. That's first, and that is for us first. And then it says, the commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. So first of all, you got to be the believer. Just like the science teacher really didn't know science, that would be the first thing that you might want to work on is your own heart. And then it says, this is when you do it. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Like, that's every, all the time. So it's not just a, a program or a flashcard or a, even a bedtime ritual or a, um, a mealtime ritual or even a devotional time. Those things are great. And I would encourage you, if that works for your family, to do those things. But it's really more about just the teachable moments in life and being able to really just um, share, you know, share in life when you're making the meal and when you're cleaning up and when you're folding laundry and when you're driving your children somewhere, just teachable moments that you are using um, to impress these things upon them. Um, Incorporating these things just into your daily life, slowly drip, 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 and not like in a bad way, but in a slow and steady way. If you think about it, the farmer, he doesn't just like starve the plants and then give a huge, huge amount of water to them at one time. It's a slow and steady 
pouring into your children day by day by day, and you won't do it perfect, and that's okay. God is able to fill in the gaps um, when you um, are short. So it's just very intentional and deliberate choices um, with diligence and consistency. I think consistency is so, so important. Um, and so, so now we know the when, like it's pretty much always. But part of it we have to think about is that we need to be slowed down, slowing down enough to be able to have those teachable moments and to not be always in such a rush where when you're doing something and doing something and you can't stop and be a little bit intentional about telling them the why behind it, especially when they're about two and up, like they're big enough, or especially three and up. They're big enough to be for you to be telling them like, hey, the reason we're making this meal for somebody is because we want to love and serve them because they have a new baby or whatever it is. So you're being able to kind of share with them naturally just as you go along. It's not like a big lesson, but just as we go through life, here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing the speed limit or here's why we're stopping at the stop sign or whatever it is. And we'll talk about the what's here in just a minute. Um, so if we look here, uh, uh, the next, so that's the when. It's just pretty much all the time. As we move on to the what, we want to kind of think about, let's begin with the end in mind, like the Stephen Covey, one of those habits. Um, and so we show this picture of my son, and he's proposing. And don't you want, like, your daughter to be loved and honored like that when she's proposed to? Like, so you're beginning with the end in mind. So if you want to raise a son who honors women and respects women and, um, is, and, and is, you know, singly sold out to their bride. Um, my daughter is um, teaching right now and she has a real heart for the, for the children that are in poverty and um, in, in the classroom. She's still in school, but she just has a real heart for people. So you think about like, what are the things that I want to instill in them before they're out of my house? And... Um, and uh, the, the scripture uh, from Third John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I think that's probably many of your hearts in here is just to, for them to know and love the Lord and others. Um, but it's like when you plan a trip and you think about, hey, what do we want to do this summer? Um, do we want to go to the beach or to the mountains? You kind of get a vision for like, what is it we're aiming for? And then you go to the work of filling in the details. And that would look like maybe you search on the internet or maybe you talk to other people who are maybe going to go to the same place. So somebody that's walking alongside you like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? You also might talk to somebody who's already been there. And they've already done this parenting thing and be like, hey, do you have any tips for me? So you're, it's like you have a vision for what you want and then you're slowly taking the steps to accomplish that. So let's just talk about some of the what's. I, I thought of so many adjectives and if I were to list them for you now, you would just like leave like, I can't do this, this is too much. Um, but so I kind of tried to put them into four categories. So they kind of all, they sort of overlap, but these are just sort of some general uh, categories, uh, four, five categories of things that we want to, inst- the what. What, are we, what seeds are we even trying to plant? So the first one I just thought of was just like character qualities. And these would be things like kind of on the inside, the heart. You want your child to be kind and compassionate. Um, Colossians 3 tells us, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So those are things that are kind of inside the heart. And we want our children, and it says to clothe them. Like this is not, you don't just naturally become kind because we're all pretty selfish beings. So it's clothing yourself, it's teaching them, it's training them, it's using those teachable moments to talk about those kind of things. Um, What's inside when no one else is looking? What's inside you when no one else is looking? Um, And I would add some other things like integrity or perseverance, those kind of things. Um, Now the heart, it takes a lifetime to train the heart, right? We're all still a work in progress. So don't be discouraged that you're not where you wanna be or your children aren't where where you want them to be because it's always a work in progress. 
So here are just some ways that we can shepherd them in this area using teachable moments, just a couple of ideas. One thing would be just to react kindly, like when, some, when something doesn't go your way, like you're acting kindly when somebody cuts in front of you in the parking lot or somebody takes your parking space or something doesn't go exactly right. So you're showing kindness to other people. Or what about when you're in the car and you see the homeless man on the street and you're like, do I give to him? Do I not give to him? I've got my children with you. But maybe just praying for them out loud with your children. So showing kindness and compassion for other people as you just go through daily life. And that would kind of be the, the inside character qualities. Um, Another category, um, another thing is I love using like literature and watching what we watch on TV and things like that. So a couple of ideas of books that would be kind of character quality books would be um, The Rainbow Fish. You know, she's just like giving away because she's thinking about other people. Corduroy, same thing. He's got something wrong with him, his button. And just some, so use literature, use things in daily life to train them and to use those as teachable moments as well. Um, as we move on, so then I thought of just the what, like the, the second what would be our attitude. And man, this is a tough one, isn't it? Because sometimes we need an attitude check ourselves. Um, it's another thing that's on the inside, but it goes out to the outside. Philippians 4.12 tells us, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So it's a secret. Like it's, if it were that easy to just be content, it wouldn't take any work. So it's something you need to begin to train your mind to be able to, to do and train their mind too. Um, also, Philippians 2 tells us don't do everything without complaining or arguing. So those are definitely two areas that we want to check our own heart um, as we begin to train our own children. Are you grumbling or are you content? Are you content with where you are? Um, we all will have things we don't want to do we don't like to do. We'll have to we'll have our, be training our children in things they don't want to do or don't like to do. Um, but we'll want to just model thankfulness. Um, a thankful heart really can't be a grumbling heart. And so just trying to turn that around and be thankful. And starting with yourself. This is definitely, you know, we talk about capturing our thoughts. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have to capture them if they were that easy to contain, right? Capture sounds like oh, way on out there. Um, and so just to start to do that for ourselves so that we ourselves can have a good attitude. Um, if you want to raise little prayer warriors, then start with yourself. Begin a, become a prayer warrior um, and, and things like that. So just um, bad attitudes are so contagious. You've heard the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And that's so true. <laughs> so you want to model that in your home and you want to just go to the Lord with everything that makes you feel like you want to grumble. Um, here are ways that you can shepherd them using teachable moments when it comes to attitude. And that would just be yourself, not grumbling when things don't go your way. Um, not grumbling when your plans are interrupted or um, not being discontent when you go on Facebook and you see like everyone else is on vacation and you're at home or everyone else is remodeling their home and you're not or whatever. So just, you know, capturing your thoughts and and having a good attitude and then, um, you know, praying for that in, in your children. Um, a couple of books that I thought of, children's books for this, is have y'all read Julius, Baby of the World? Love that book. It's about a big sister and her, and her baby brother's born. At first, she doesn't like him at all. And then over time, she changes her attitude to really love him. And then also, the great, great one for attitude is uh, Alex, I mean, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Just really sweet. And so when you're reading to your children, just to pick good literature and then to also just train them. That's a perfect teachable moment. Like, why is this character mad? Why is this character, you know, and and talk through it like them. Um, The next one, the next category is just to be others-centered. And that's the opposite of being self-centered. And um, I think we're all born with pretty much a self-centered attitude. I know I am. And so we have to learn, we have to be trained to think of others 
first and to think of others more important than ourselves. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So let's look at that. Um, Better than yourselves. Others better than yourselves. Man, that is a tough one. Like, how do we do that? Um, But it just is, you know, training them to like, we're not going to take the, we're not going to pick flowers from the park because other people might want to come and enjoy these flowers. Um, So uh, so there's many intentional ways you can do this. You'll see a lot of things at Christmas time, you know, angel tree or um, a friend of mine and I just did like an Easter basket project where we put together Easter baskets. So there's intentional ways. The hands and feet ministry is a great thing. And and you have a survey in front of you to fill out. Like we want to know how we can help you be intentional with teaching your children to love others. And so, um, you know, get involved in that ministry and take the, take the handout out, get on the Facebook page. Um, some other ways that we can shepherd them using teachable moments would just be teaching them to share. You're already probably doing that if you have one that's over one. Um, opening the door for the elderly, um, teaching them to respect women. Um, again, like things like returning the shopping cart. Well, why do we do that? Why are we worried about that? Well, that shopping cart could crash into another person's car. So we're thinking of them or the picking the flowers or things in public places, things like that. Um, uh, not running or shouting in places that are not that are not appropriate. We had a thing that we would say, is this the time? Is this the place? Because a lot of, you know, like running and shouting is awesome. Like go to the park, go to your backyard, do it. That's great. We want you to run and shout and get your energy out, right? But not at someone's wedding reception or not at, you know, certain, certain settings or, or we're great grandma's here and she's 90. Like don't run and shout around her. So is this the time? Is this the place? And that way they know these aren't wrong activities. It's just, you have to discern um, because of other people, is this the best place to do it? And then another rule that we had or um, method that we tried was called the interrupt rule. So say I'm on the phone and, you know, sometimes if you're talking to your mother and they come up and, you know, she doesn't mind to say, to say hi to them. But if you're talking to the doctor's office and it's an important call, like you don't want to be interrupted. And so you want to train them like they can't just automatically interrupt you. So we would have them, they would come and put their hand on my shoulder and then I would take my hand and put it over their hand. And that means like, hey, I know you're there and I'm going to get to you in just a second. And then when there's a pause in my conversation, I would say, hey, just one moment. Someone so has something to ask me. So just to let them know there is another person on the end of that phone and that they can't just interrupt you blatantly and always. So teaching them to think of others in everyday teachable moments. Um, the Giving Tree is a great children's book that talks about this tree just gives everything to this little boy. Um, also, Make Way for Ducklings, how people make way for these little just thinking others-centered Um, So we really want to just involve teachable moments, but the thing is, we really need margin to be able to do that. And I think so many times that's what is lacking, is there's so many good things to do, but sometimes we lack the margin, so we're not able to use those teachable moments. Um, Another category is just um, that our obedience and authority. And so teaching our children to obey, and then also to obey authority, and not just our authority, but others that are officially in authority, like government or church or things like that. And so 1 Peter 2, 17 tells us, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God, honor the king. Now, we don't have a king, but just to teach him to honor policemen and firemen and the president and our governor and things like that. Um, Just to, uh, how do we personally respond to authority? That would be a question to ask ourselves because I know I can do a, a, you know, if it's like an official person, I'm fine. But if it's like some guy in the parking lot with a vest, like I'm thinking, no, I'm like, I'm going to go there or whatever. So I have authority issues with 
you know, and so just to check your heart, because I think all of these, like every one of it, like every one of these, I'm like, I have issues in this area. Oh, and I have issues in this area. Oh, in this area. So just to be, uh, tra- be transforming yourself would probably be the best thing you can do to help your children grow as well. And so we first want to obey God, and that includes ourselves, and we want to teach them to do that because he is good and he is trustworthy. But w- just to remind them that we are all under the authority of someone. Every person is under the authority of someone. Um, children to children, wives, husbands, um, employers, uh, whether it be church or family or government, there, uh, there is, everyone's under the authority of someone, even if they don't think they are. Um, also, you want to just teach them like first time obedience, um, prompt, being respectful without talk, talking back or without a bad facial expression, um, no whining or complaining. Those would all be things I would include in the obedience. Um, <clears throat> so here are ways that we might be able to shepherd them in these in teachable moments. And that would be maintaining a good attitude when you're pulled over by a policeman. Ugh, why do I keep bringing these things up? Obeying rules, even if you don't necessarily agree with them, like, I hate to say it, bringing candy into the movie. <laughs> but there are rules in society. And if, if our children see us breaking them, then they're going to think that they can too. Even, even sometimes if we don't agree, agree with them. But just to let them see there is a chain of command and that we are all under the authority of somebody, um, and especially the Lord. Our final category kind of wraps all of these up, and that is um, character, attitudes, and other-centered, and it's forgiveness. I think forgiveness is such a huge thing that we want to train our children. I did not learn to do this as a child. Um, Conflict in my family was just put under the rug, Um, but to be able to really have healthy conflict resolution, you want to train your children, first of all, to be humble, but also to be able to forgive. And so we want to demonstrate that. We want to ask for forgiveness and we want to, when someone asks for our forgiveness, to actually forgive them. So we want to be modeling this and teaching this. So maybe you have two siblings, someone bonks somebody on the head with somebody. They're not only saying, I'm sorry, but they're, they're also asking, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for hitting you with a toy or whatever it is? So I'm sorry. And will you ask for forgiveness? I think that takes a certain amount of humility that is actually a really good thing. Um, but they need to see you doing that as well. Um, so <clears throat> some ways that you can shepherd them in this area using teachable moments would be to, for you to ask for forgiveness from them or your husband when you're grouchy or you're short or you're sharp or you're sarcastic. Um, also, you're asking for, for you to ask for forgiveness from them, but also when others ask for your forgiveness to actually forgive them. And so you're not hearing them, you talk, they're not hearing you say later, I know I forgave them, but blah, 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 and you're grumbling about something or whatever, like true forgiveness, no, not holding grudges. And so you want to model that and you want to be training that as well. And so just checking our own heart in that. Um, but just, again, taking humility to admit that what you did was wrong and not like, I know mommy shouted at you and I'm sorry, but if you hadn't, blah, 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 you know, like don't add the qualifiers. Just, I am so sorry, mommy shouted and leave it at that, and then train them to do the same thing. Because I think sometimes it's easy to add a, a qualifier, like, you caused me to do this, which may be true, but, but make, the apo- make the apology and the asking for forgiveness just an independent action. Well, as we wrap up, um, I just thought, what are, you know, just to, for you to realize that training um, kids is a lifelong endeavor. Like, it is just lifelong, and, um, and that's a good thing, like, because we're not a finished product, and so, we, so they won't be either. So we just want to, you know, continue hard with consistency and humility and um, persevere. <clears throat> it's also about training ourselves as well, just being transformed. So four ideas for you to consider as we wrap up. First is just slow and steady. 
You know, it, don't feel like you have to just give them a waterfall of information at any, at any point. The last thing I want you to do today is for you to go home and be like, we're going to change like 35 things today, so sit down. You know, it's not, it's not like that at all. So just, just be, you know, if you leave today with like one, like we're going to try this, this isn't the time, this isn't the place, or we're going to start with something that Amy says, some, some uh, discipline method. Like, just don't, don't feel overwhelmed. Like, don't go home and try to feel like you have got to instill anything new. Start to pray about it. See what the Lord reveals to you. But just slow and steady, small training, teachable moments. Um, you know, they're little. And so there's a lot of forgiveness and the Lord will fill in where you fail because I have plenty of parenting fails myself. And I just look back and I'm like, he was so faithful. He was about the harvest, not me. Um, but just slow and steady. So don't go home today and think you have to do it all. Also, just really choose wisely what you allow into your home with, like I said, the literature, the TV, music, things like that. Be, be mindful of that, what you allow in. So just a constant drip, 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 just like the farmer of planting the seeds and being you know, slowly teachable. Um, the second one, just to, be, to cover everything in prayer. I can't tell you how much um, I think it's important for a mom to pray for her children. I'm sure you do. But you know your children more, better than anyone else. So you know the heart issues that other people might not pick up on. So you're, and it's going to change. So you're going to be praying for, you know, this one to be more diligent. Like they just seem like they have a lazy gene in them. Or this one is uh, just too overbearing. Or this one is um, hard-hearted or whatever. So just pray for those specific things. And then in six months, it'll be something else. So it's an ongoing process just to be praying for your children, but to really be a student of your, t of your children so that you know what to pray for. And then pray for yourself. Pray for yourself to have strength and stamina and, and energy and patience and, to, uh, and ask the Lord's forgiveness when you, when you fall short as well. So I would just to pray for wisdom, pray for opportunities to teach them, pray for us, uh, just all all of your children in the different things that, they, um, that, they, that you see that they need work in. Um, the third thing would just be to prioritize your life. This is probably one of the hardest things because I feel like sometimes we such the tyranny of the urgent, but just to really decide what's important when we talked about like beginning with the end in mind to um, just establish simplicity and try to get rid of some of the hurriedness in life because I know it's hard. Um, but just it's worth the effort because then it produces margin and then you have time to, to teach something because you're not running like a crazy lady all the, all, all the places. So leaving room for best over better. There's a lot of good, but better over good and best over better. Um, and just choosing wisely the pace of your life. And then finally, like I said, just to remain in the vine yourself, to grow in God's word, to open it up and read it yourself. I love blogs. I love devotionals, but God can teach you personally um, if you open up his word and just give him a chance, give him a chance to do that. And maybe you're not opening it to Leviticus or Lamentations, but you certainly could open it up to Philippians or some Psalms or things like that. So be in the word. I love all those other things are great, but just be in the word yourself too, and let him have a chance to teach you personally. Um, <clears throat> so as we wrap up, I just want to tell you a quick story. My son was um, in the fourth grade and he was a basketball player. My husband was a basketball player and they are passionate about basketball. And so we signed up for the regular team for the school, that, you know, his class. And then an opportunity came along for him to be on a, um, you know, a, a select team. So, well, we, you know, wow, that's so nice. What an honor. Let's sign up for that team. And then before you know it, somebody wanted us to sign up for this team that was where they learn Bible verses. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Basketball and Bible, like this is perfect. Well, three teams is, you know, perhaps too much. But it's funny how the Lord worked it because we in our, in our non-wisdom did it. And then before you know it, he broke his leg. And I think that was the Lord's way of saying, no, you're not buying any basketball this season. You need to slow down. And so it just kind of taught me like, slow down yourself so God doesn't throw something at you that 
makes you slow down, and just to be, you know, be um, connected with him, and he'll lead you and guide you. Instead of, I was letting the world tell me, I need to do this, I need to do that, sign up for this, and sign up for that, and and I just got too hurried. And so, it was just a, a great reminder of, like, that broken leg, like, that was a parenting fail on my part, and God reeled me back in, and that was a good thing. And so, again, just, um, if, I want you to be encouraged that you are responsible to be faithful and to um, be, you know, grow in your relationship with the Lord, and the results are up to Him, and that's a good thing. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for um, your word. We thank you for these ladies who do want to just sharpen their parenting skills. And we have a desire to grow up children that would honor you and love you and serve others. So, Father, I pray that no one would leave um, going, feeling um, overwhelmed, but that they would be able to connect with somebody that understands their story and that they would be able to just walk the road together and that they would use your word as their guide. And so just encourage us today, Lord. Um, and help people to reach out, be vulnerable, and um, just connect. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you have some questions on the screen for you to cover in your small group time. And then in about 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to have Amy come up and talk about pruning. So thank you all. Okay, is this on? On a little bit. Hey, ladies, we're going to move on to the next section of this. Um, I love all that Elizabeth shared with the things, like the little things that we're wanting to plant in those little hearts um, of the kids that were growing. And so we're going to move into the purposeful pruning part of um, the discipline talk. I'm Amy Hullum, and I have a picture of my family that we'll show you. I feel like I always say this whenever I speak, but this is like the one family picture we've had from the last year. So it was Halloween and our kids are dressed up. But um, I have Luke, who is nine, Lila, who is seven, and then Tyler, who's three. And they've all just turned those ages. Um, So they're, you know, freshly those ages. Um, And I think that nine years ago when Luke was, you know, just brand new, um, that I thought discipline and parenting was going to be A plus B equals C. Like I wanted to read a book that told me what to do so that I knew like when there's misbehaving, this is what you do to fix it. Um, and it was probably like sadly for my oldest, um, it was probably about two and a half when I realized, when he was two and a half that I realized that that's not really how it works. Like there's not um, a solution. There's, you know, the poor firstborn kids, they're, they're our practice kids. Like we, we figure everything out with them. And so um, I just remember when he was about two and a half talking to another mom here, like it was called building blocks back then, but talking to another mom and she was like, oh, the reason that's not working is because that's not what works for your kid. And it was so freeing to me to find out that like, there's not always a, a, an equation that works to get the behavior that we're wanting. Um, and so now that I'm nine years into it, um, I see discipline kind of like what Elizabeth was saying earlier. It's this long process. It's not a quick procedure that's going to fix something. Um, and so today, I'm going to share with you kind of a discipline toolbox, um, different tools that, we, that we've used in our house um, with our kids and that we've had friends in our community group that have used. Um, and as I was thinking about tools because I don't use tools very much. Um, I was thinking about back when my husband, Russ, and I were first married, um, he w- we decided to remodel our kitchen. 
And so by we, I mean him, like he was mostly remodeling it. Um, I was picking out colors and things like that. Um, And it was just taking, he was physically doing it all himself. Like we weren't having people come and work on it. And so at one point there was a weekend where he was like, you know, I am spending so much time on the kitchen. It would be so helpful if you could help with some of the yard work. And I grew up in a house where my dad and brother did that. And so um, he's like, if you could just, if you could do that, then I can really put all of my effort into finishing the kitchen. And so the motivation of getting a a finished kitchen caused me to go out and mow the grass um, for the first time ever and also the last time ever, just if you're you're wondering. Um, And then I noticed that our bushes look kind of scraggly. And I was like, well, I've mowed the grass. So I'll just go get a tool from the tool shed and I'll just start you know, trimming these hedges. And so I got these clippers and I'm out there just, you know, clipping. And, um, and he comes out and he's like, oh, it looks pretty good. Um, and I was really proud of myself for being outdoorsy and helping. And he goes, is there a reason that you weren't using like the electric hedge trimmer? Cause like, that's like a chainsaw for bushes. Like you just go and it's done. And I had been like clipping them one at a time. Um, and so I don't remember, probably in my pride, I was like, I just want to do it this way. But, um, <laughs> um, but I say all that to say, it's important to know what the tools are, how they work, when to use them. Um, and then it's also even more important to know what kind of little plants you're working on. Because you don't prune hydrangeas the same way you prune um, big bushes. And then uh, I have actually this picture of a little bonsai tree. And like, you use like these tiny little scissors to prune the bonsai trees. But then you might have this huge bush where you need, um, where you need something different. And so first we're going to talk through the tools. I'm going to explain those. And I'm going to try to give like an example for like a smaller child, like toddler preschool. Um, and then like bigger kids, like elementary age. And then we're going to talk about how do, you, how do you understand your kids? Like, how do you know what works for them and what, what, what you need to use with them? So um, and I also just wanted to address the fact that um, the Bible says that we're to discipline our kids. Um, first of all, it says that it's our job. Um, Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Um, that shows us that God has a, a design and has an order that our job is to be the tool that shapes our kids um, to follow after him and to know what a life looks like to be in submission to him. Um, second of all, the Bible says that it's loving to discipline our kids. And I think a lot of times we hear... Um, you know, especially in society, like, oh, just let them figure it out. Let them figure out what, what they're supposed to do and figure out the right way on their own. Well, we see that um, the verse I have for this is Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. It says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. The Lord disciplines us because he loves us. And that's our example. Like we love our kids so much. And so disciplining them is loving them. Um, and then the third point that we also see um, from the Bible is that it's worth it to, to discipline our kids. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline pleasant, seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It is hard. 
Like it is, it's super hard and it's exhausting to discipline our, our kids in a way that's effective. Um, but if we have that, that picture of the harvest um, at the end in mind, um, then we can be reminded that, it, that all of that hard work and being tired is worth it. Um, so we'll move into the discipline toolbox. Um, this is not an exhaustive list. We could be here all day talking about all the different, different tools and books and things that are out there, um, but I would just really, really wanted to pick some of the ones that have been most helpful for me and the people around me who are parenting in a similar way. Um, the first thing is um, distraction and redirection. I think this is on, there's like a little chart, I think, that you have on your paper. Um, and this is really for like babies, like babies that are zero to 18 months the misbehaving of that age is really most of the time just them being curious and exploring the world around them. And our job at that point is really just to either remove um, whatever they're, they're messing with or remove them from the situation. So like an example of that, so we had a coffee table, and um, we still have it, that has like all these little bins in it. And like any child, like 12 months to 18 months that comes over, and sometimes older, they like to pull those baskets out and just dump them out. And it's like remote controls and things like that. And, um, and me sitting there and trying to discipline my child for dumping those things out is just fruitless, okay? So it's, it's better for me just to take those bins out. And like we've had three seasons of not having bins in our coffee table because our kids just love doing that. And, um, and that's a more effective way to kind of maintain sanity in your house. <laughs> Because um, disciplining or timeout or any of those different things that you're going to try probably are not going to work with that. So distraction or redirection is really good for birth to 18 months with most things. There are always exceptions, and I would say check with people in your community group if you, have, if you think you have a major exception on your, on your plate. Um, the next thing is training and practicing and role-playing. Um, and that seems funny to have like kind of as a, as a tool or a, as a consequence, but it's not really that. It's more, the more that I intentionally train my kids and teach them how to do things the right way and practice with them, the less we have those negative consequences that I have to, you know, follow through on. And so, um, for example, with toddlers and preschoolers, I feel like going to the grocery store is kind of a nightmare sometimes. And so if I'm going to the grocery store and I have a child who's wanting to always stand up in the little thing, like can unbuckle and can stand up, um, I've had at least two of those, maybe three, um, who just want to stand up in the cart. Or if I have a runner, which I've had that too, um, then I might go to the grocery store on a day where I don't need anything. And I go and I say, we're going to walk around the store and you're going to sit in your seat or you're going to hold on to the side of the basket and we're just going to walk around. And we do that, and we practice, and we train, and I, and I praise them when they do that well. Um, another example, oh, so another thing I would do is a lot of times they're wanting to run away because they're bored. Um, and so I would, I, when they were really little, I would draw like five of the things out that we were going to get at the store, like on my grocery list, draw pictures because they couldn't read. And like that was their job was to hold on to the list and help us find what we were looking for. Because if they're, if they're not bored, then they're probably not going to be running away, maybe. Um, <clears throat> other things with that little age um, is we play a truth and a lie game. Like, when, I, when my kids, when they get to the age where they, 
start saying things that are not true. And like, they don't really know that it's lying because they don't know what that is. But when I start to see that they can communicate in that way, we'll play a truth and lie game while we're driving around in the car. And I'll say something, I'll say, my shirt is blue. Is that true or not true? And have them say, not true or true. Just so they're getting those words in their minds and they're connecting with what that is. Um, and so that way, when, when I need them to be accountable for what they're saying, and if they're lying to me, they at least know that I'm, what true is, what not true is, or what a lie is. And so we'll do that. There are so many ideas of things you can do um, as far as practicing and role-playing, especially with your little ones. Um, but those are just a couple of the ones I had written out. Um, with older kids, like the elementary age, we talk a lot about like when you have friends around you who are making bad choices. Like with, with Lila, she's seven. Um, if there's some girls who are being mean to other girls on the playground, I'll teach, I'll kind of give her a script of what to say and what to do. And then I'll practice that with her. And, um, and that way, she may still not choose to do that, but she's at least equipped and feels empowered to be able to do the right thing in that situation rather than jumping in and being ugly with the other little girls. Um, media, like if they're at friends' houses and a friend's turning on something that, they're not supposed to, that my kids are not supposed to watch, I give them a script of like, you say, oh, can we do something else? Can we go to my house? I'm not supposed to watch that or I need to check with my mom first and have them practice that with me. And so a lot of those things, a lot of the practicing can head off the bad choices later or they at least know that they're making a bad choice, right? <laughs> so... Um, so that's, that's a really important part um, of, of training our kids and disciplining our kids. It's just making sure that they know the right thing versus the wrong thing to do in a lot of situations. Okay, the third thing is positive reinforcement, um, which basically just means it's a reward system. And um, like we're like our kids are motivated the same way that we're motivated. Like if we... Um, want to be rewarded for doing something right, they're kind of the same way. You don't want this to be your tool that you use most of the time because then they're like, I'm only going to do the right thing if I get that. And you don't want to have that sort of a situation going on. But positive reinforcement can be, can be really helpful um, with a few different things. For us, we use that. We use like a little sticker chart. Um, in the morning, our kids, we've always had really early risers. And... Um, we really wanted to train them to stay in their rooms until seven. And now that our kids, we have older kids in school, it's, it's just that on the weekends. But when they were really little, we would take a digital clock and tape over the minutes to where they just saw the hour number. And we would say, okay, stay in your room until your clock says seven. And I'm saying that I like I've said it a thousand times. Um, Stay in, your, stay in your room until your clock says seven, and then you get a sticker. And so for several days, we do that. Once you have a certain number of stickers, you get some sort of reward. Um, and that was really helpful for us, but we usually just use positive reinforcement, things like that, for a season. Because once they understand what you're expecting, then they should be able to do it without getting a sticker and a reward. Um, for older kids, we've used that for cleaning their rooms. Um, I think back in February, we said... I, I just really wanted them to, to be doing certain things in their rooms every day. And so we took the Cleaning House book by Kay Wyma and kind of did her plan of, of rewarding them for cleaning their rooms every day. 
well, it's April. We're not rewarding them for cleaning their rooms every day. Now, now they just know that's the expectation. But it was good to, like, to get them to really grasp the expectation of what we wanted them to do every day for that season. Um, there are lots of, lots of examples to do there, too. The advice um, that somebody said was, ask yourself what your biggest frustration is as a mom right now, like in your house. Like, is it getting everybody with their shoes on in the car? Or is it um, being kind with their siblings? Is it behavior during meals? Whatever that thing is, figure it out. Come up with a, with a plan, a positive reinforcement plan with a reward, and then work on it for a season and just see if I can help and improve, um, improve that situation in your house. Okay, we're going to kind of move into more of the consequences. Um, and the first one is time out. So traditionally, like if you read books about time out or if you go online and read about it, they would say that um, time out is like a child being removed from a situation um, and like sitting by themselves for a minute per year of age. So like a one-year-old would sit for a minute, a two-year-old would sit for two minutes. Um, and I've done that. Um, we've, we've done that in our house for sure. Um, but I've also realized that different things, like different versions of timeout work, out, work better for my kids. And so Tyler, he's my three-year-old, recently he's had this, this affinity for spitting. And it's not like a, like a drooly spit. It's like he is fully like looking at you and like spitting. And, and then if anybody is laughing at him or if he's getting any attention, he wants to spit more. And so, um, so in our house, our dining room is kind of connected to our kitchen area. And I have a chair. And he's within my view. It's like he's not back in his room. But we just go over and I sit in and I'm like, okay, you're going to sit in time out for three minutes. We're going to set the timer for three minutes. Tell me why you're sitting here. And like, we actually kind of talk for a few minutes. Like he's not just sitting there by himself. Um, but he's realizing that he's missing out from whatever his siblings are doing. I'm there with him and he's, and I'm making sure that he understands that it was because he was spitting. And that when the timer goes off, we're going to go back to what we were doing, but he's not going to spit anymore. And so He's three, and he's maybe a little bit behind verbally. And so, um, so there's a lot of me talking during that. But then also, I know that he's understanding because he's, he's saying the words back, and he, he's understanding that he's not supposed to spit. Um, for my older kids, like Lila, I feel like when she is tired, she kind of just loses self-control. And she's picking on her, picking on her brothers or being disrespectful with her tone. And really, that just means that she needs to go lay down in her room. And it's, it's not like a banishment to her room. It's like, you just need to go and kind of reset and redirect. Um, and so she might listen to music. She might color. But she's just kind of in there until she can regulate, how, regulate her control. And then she comes back out. And, and we talk about it and say, hey, you know, you are back there because of this. And I make sure she knows when she goes back there, that's what it's for. Um, but we talk about it, and then we kind of move forward. And then Luke, he has lots of energy. And so, like, going to a room by himself, um, that just makes it worse, honestly. And so I'll say, hey, go jump on the trampoline for two minutes, and then we're going to talk about what's going, what's going on. And so him getting energy out, it doesn't look like a traditional timeout of him sitting in a chair, um, but he's also not getting to choose what he's doing at that moment. Um, he's doing what I told him to do, but I know that he needs to get that energy out so that we can move on with the rest of our afternoon. And um, I say afternoon because that's usually when he's misbehaving. Um, and so, 
so it's so for us it's not I think that it's been negatively interpreted that timeout is you go to your room because we don't want to be around you and you're being bad. And that can just escalate the situation. And so um, figure out what works for you. I really do think with like those preschoolers that kind of more of a traditional like sitting somewhere where you can see them and they're having to miss out on something. I think they get that. And so I think that's important. But I think as they do get older, you have to kind of adjust for what makes sense um, for your kids. Okay. Time in. Now, this, uh, this is one of those things where <clears throat> if you'd asked me a year ago, um, I probably would have rolled my eyes and been like, is that really a thing? And so I'm going to explain to you um, kind of what it is because it's a little bit abstract. Um, but it's something that, we've, that I've really started trying to use with my family more um, because it's similar to time out in that you're taking a break from whatever you're doing. But we use it at our, at our house when emotions are really high. And so there's a great blog that somebody wrote. It's been posted on The Nest um, in the last few weeks about how kids are like trains. And when they're going through big emotions, whether it's anger or frustration or crying, like sadness, that, those big feelings are like a tunnel. And they can't just shut it off. They can't just stop in the middle of it. Like, they have to get through the big emotions. And guys, we're the same way. Like, think about the time, like a time recently where you've had a really big feeling about something. And, um, and we have maturity on our sides, right? Um, but we still don't want somebody to come in and say, now stop doing that and let's talk about this. Or stop, you know, we, we have to kind of move through it. And it's the same way with our kids. And so when our kids are really... Uh, when my kids are really highly emotional and disobeying or misbehaving in some way, um, I've got to get them through that tunnel before I can talk to them about what's going on. And often, if I tried spanking or timeout or anything like that, that escalates the feelings. And so the idea of time in is that you're with your kid as they're going through that tunnel um, and you're next to them. Like sometimes you're holding them, sometimes you're hugging them. For us, it's like sitting down and maybe reading a book or that's with Tyler, the younger one. Um, or it's like, hey, come help me with something for a minute. And I am fully focused on them getting through their emotions and then talking about like, hey, you're safe I want you to feel loved and comforted in this to get through it. But then let's also talk about that it's not okay to, to use that tone with mom or it's not okay to hit your brother or whatever the behavior was. And we still have that reconciliation at the end, like time out. But it's just, you're just more connected with your kid in that time. Um, and I think more, and I, I've never said, okay, you're in time in. Like we, like we don't say that. Like that's not a phrase that I've ever said. But I know in my mind that that's what we're moving towards and that the purpose is not just to hang out, but it's to get through that tunnel of emotion and then get to a place where we can talk about what's going on. Um, Karen Purvis has written a great book called The Connected Child. And on the cover, I think it says that it's for, um, I think it says like, it's like for children that you've adopted or for kids from hard places. And I'll tell you, I, my three kids are biological and I don't think that they're from a hard place, but they act like it sometimes. And so, and, and those tools that are in that book are so helpful. Um, and so I, I would say starting around chapter five to the end is where is what's most applicable for me as a biological mom to my kids. Um, uh, and knowing and knowing fully where they've come from. Um, and so, but that's a, it's a great book with lots of tools um, that I would recommend if you're just trying to figure out a way to connect more with your, with your child and to help them feel loved and comforted in a place where 
we're having to prune back on things, like we're having to, to discipline. Um, okay, spanking. Oh, guys, I left it. Um, my purse is back there. Russell, you go. There's, my purse is back in the thing. I borrow a whopper so you can see what we use. Um, so spanking um, is, it can be so controversial. And so let me just start by saying that, um, that Wes Butler, who's the director of our family ministries, he put together this great statement that I, I fully um, appreciate. And it's just that um, spanking is not a command. Like we're not commanded to spank our kids. Thank you. Um, and so it doesn't have to be in your toolbox, okay? But it can be, and especially if it's done correctly, it can be, and it can be effective. Um, but what he said is, um, in the Bible where there are all those verses about the rod of correction and don't spare, um, um, yes, yes. Um, so all these verses about using the rod like, as, as correction for your kid, that doesn't mean you have to go spank your kids. That's a metaphor for saying you need to discipline your kids. That's your job. Your, your job is to correct and train your kids in the way they're supposed to go. It does not mean you have to go spank. Um, and so there are lots of reasons not to spank, like if it, just based on your history, based on um, a lot of different things. So it's okay if you don't. Um, but in our family, we do. And we use this little thing. It's a... Um, there's actually, it's called the rod of correction. I think about 10 years ago, a lot of Watermark families use these, and so you have to order them, like mail order. Um, and um, it's just like a little piece of leather. It's real flimsy. And people in our community group have it also, and they called it the Whopper. So we're like, well, we'll use the Whopper. And so this is our Whopper. And starting around 18 months, between 18 months and two years old, we would spank um, on the hand for things that are dangerous. So like if my toddler's walking by and reaching up to touch like the top of the stove, then I would say, no, no. And like, I would spank right here, like that. Um, harder than that, but enough to where it stings, but not leave a mark um, and say, no, no, that's ouchy, that will hurt. Like whatever words you need to use to explain to your child. Um, and that's what we did for 18 to two years, 18 months to two years. Um, and we, we only used it for dangerous situations. Starting at two, um, we started spanking on their bottoms. Um, same, still use the whopper, and it was for purposeful misbehavior, um, and then also like dangerous situations again. Um, and with that, I, I would use, generally use my voice and say, if you keep doing that, you are going to get a spanking so that they fully know that that is the consequence that's coming their way if they continue with that behavior. And then if it continued, then we would go and you go to a private place. So like if you're at your house, you can just go back to one of the bedrooms. Um, if you're somewhere else, then you have to find a private place to go to. Um, and we spanked just on a bare bottom. So just pull it. And we would, I would talk and say, hey, we're back here and you're getting a spanking because you did X, Y, and Z. And then give the spanking. And then um, hug and talk through, like, have that restoration process of, um, you know, apologizing and making sure that the child is owning what they did. Um, and then we go back to normal life. Now, <laughs> that sounds kind of robotic, and it's because I'm telling you step by step. Because generally, I have a kid who's going, but I don't want to speak you. I don't, you know, it's, it's not like they just go along. Um, and so, I mean, sometimes they do, but not usually. Um, and so... Uh, 
so it, it, it just understand that if you're not, if it's not going just like that, um, that's normal because they don't want spankings, but you're giving a spanking because they need to be corrected in what they were doing. A couple of guidelines that are really important. Spanking should never be done in anger. Um, and so if you need a minute to like calm down from whatever situation just happened um, to where you're not spanking in anger, then take a moment, take five moments, whatever you need um, to get to where you're not doing that out of anger. Spanking should not leave a mark. Um, and so it is not like a big, you know, rearing back to hit. It's just, it is a sting. Um, and so it's like a flick of the wrist with, with the whopper. That's what it is. We recommend not using your hand, um, but using something that's like a, just an object, like a spoon. Like I know somebody uses a wooden spoon, whoppers. Um, but finding something that's kind of a neutral object. Um, and then I'll make sure I'm not forgetting anything with that. Um, if either of those things are happening, like if you can't spank without being angry or if your husband can't spank without being angry, you should not have that in your toolbox right now um, until you can work through that. Um, if you're leaving a mark, then you need to maybe practice on, on, on yourself or something to where you're not leaving a mark. Um, but that's, it's important not to do that. Um, and then... Um, if spanking isn't effective in correcting the behavior you're trying to do, then find a different consequence. There's no reason to keep spanking if it's not effective. My oldest, I mean, poor thing, I think we, spank, we spanked him way more than we spanked our other two. Um, but it's because I didn't realize that there were other things we should be doing. And I didn't realize that the fact that it wasn't effective meant we should stop doing it. And so, um, and honestly, taking away privileges, which is what we'll talk about in just a minute, has been so much more effective for him probably since he was two and a half. Um, and so find what's most effective um, and, and know that if spanking is not, then you, then you should stop. Um, we've said that 18 months to two years, somewhere in there, is probably the right time to start spanking if you want to start spanking and if you're correcting things. I have a kid that we didn't spank until after two just because she didn't do things, honestly. Um, and so... Uh, and that's not normal, but that's, that's kind of what, that's how she was. Um, and so, but knowing when to stop, like when to remove it because of, of how old your kids are, um, we would say probably um, around eight or you kind of base it on maturity, but eight or older, you probably wouldn't spank them because there are other methods that are more effective. And so it kind of becomes a modesty issue and like a shaming issue um, with older kids. And so by that point, they can understand other, um, other methods better. And so we would probably say, look to moving away from that around that age. Um, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Removal of privileges is our next one. And this is really one of the ones that's most effective for us at our house. Um, starting around age two, it's just like how it sounds when a kid misbehaves and they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, you take away a privilege as the consequence. Um, for Tyler, he's our three-year-old, um, he goes through seasons of throwing toys. Like He knows he's not supposed to, but he'll throw them anyway. It might be at people, it might not be. Um, and so what we would like to do is, or what we would generally will do is take that toy away and put it on top of the fridge where he can still see it. 
and say, oh, you, you don't get to play with that toy until tomorrow. That is so sad. Um, and so he can still see it. So it's a reminder. Um, but he knows that he's lost, he's lost the privilege of playing with that toy because he threw it. And we make sure he knows it's because you were, we don't throw toys. We throw balls outside. We don't throw toys inside. Um, and so we'll put it up there. Now, it's not to shame. It's not to be like, no, look at that toy up there. You, you were so bad, you were throwing that, we put it up there. It's not shaming, it's just a reminder. Um, and so uh, adjust that as you need to if you, really, if you have a child who's just heartbroken over that toy being up there, if it's, if it's moving towards a shameful thing. Um, with our older kids, um, the one that I've really just been loving recently is, uh, we call it the bedtime backup. And so I have a, um, a little board in my kitchen with a dry erase marker. And we use it for them right now for disrespect to us or to each other or disobedience, um, for, like, for little disobedience things. Um, and uh, for each little tally mark, it's five minutes backing up their bedtime. So if bedtime's at eight o'clock and they're disrespectful, I'm like, oh, that's one. If you're so tired that you don't have self-control to use kind words, then you need to go to bed earlier. And so we'll uh, just tally those up and then at the, you know, towards the end of the night around dinner time, I'm like, okay, so you have six, so you're going to bed you know, at 7.30 or whatever it is. And that's super effective, especially if they're having to go to bed earlier than somebody who's younger than them. So it's helpful. That is helpful. Um, but I would say we use that for, um, like turning off screens for our older kids too. It's like, if we say, all right guys, in five minutes, we're turning off the TV, um, in five minutes passes and they haven't done it. Okay guys, turn, time to turn it off. If they're not obeying right away, then it's like, oh, that is such a bummer. No screen time tomorrow. And that's a big one for, for us with our big kids too. Um, Let's see, natural consequences is the next one. And this is kind of tricky because they need to be old enough to understand the cause and effect of a situation. Um, and so you kind of have to decide based on, on your kids and your family when this is most effective. But basically, it's whatever naturally happens after a bad decision. So Tyler, um, the other day, he um, is real bad about dumping things out. Um, and... He's really, especially with bubbles, like I'll go get like a new thing of bubbles and then like in the backyard, he's like purposely dumping it out. And so I've talked about it. So in his Easter basket, he got a new thing of bubbles and we got in the backyard and he's like, I want to play with my bubbles. I'm like, okay. So it's like, buddy, don't pour out your bubbles. You'll be so sad if you pour out your bubbles. And so I go back inside and Wiley comes running in, Tyler poured out his bubbles. Well, the natural consequence of that is that they're gone. And so, we're, and, and he was like, let's go to the store, let's get new bubbles. And I was like, no, sorry, they're gone. So that's the natural consequence for like little ones. Um, for bigger ones, like my kids were kind of like messing with each other before school the other day. And they take a lunch and a snack to school. Um, and like sometimes getting out the door in the morning, it's not hectic, but like they're not, they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing all the time. And so I'll say, all right, pack up your lunches, your, you get all your stuff together, da, 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 da. I'll say it several times. Well, the other day, we got them to school and got back home, and I saw one of the snacks was sitting out on the counter. And because, and it wasn't like, the, it wasn't anything that we had done, like, to where it's like, oh, I was rushing them, they accidentally left their snack. Like, they knew what to grab, and they just missed it. And they both were taking the same snack that day, so I wasn't sure who it belonged to. Um, but... Uh, I, we live so close to the school that I could have run it up there. But I thought, you know, 
It's not like it's their lunch. They're not going to be starving. But remembering that they left their snack at home, moving forward is going to help them remember to not mess around while we're trying to get get out the door. Um, And so that was the natural consequence there. You want to make sure that within as long as it's within your control, that a natural consequence is not going to be something that's dangerous or harmful. Um, like, it's like, oh, well, he'll do that once. You know, so you, you don't want to do things that, um, where they're going to get hurt, uh, find a different consequence for, this, for those types of things. Um, but the times where they learn lessons, we're that way too, right? Like if when, we mess, when we make a mistake and something happens, it's like, oh, we think more about that the next time. And we're doing our kids a favor if we let them uh, learn that way. Logical consequences is the next one. And this is basically let the punishment fit the crime. And so, um, so you choose a consequence that's related to something that they've done. Um, for Tyler, um, and really for all of my kids at that age, they would love to get lots of toys out um, in the playroom and then not pick them up. And then I'm like, okay, time to pick up. And then they still don't want to pick up. And so what we would do is we would say, okay, now we're going to have to practice picking up five times. And so um, have them go through and like pick up the toys, put them away, take them back out, dump them out, put them away, put them away. Um, and so do that five times. And then at the end you say, man, wouldn't it have been better just to do it the first time when we talked about it? Um, and so I will say this though, when you're giving your kids instructions, and I should have mentioned this earlier in the, the practicing part, um, it is super ineffective for me, me to be in a different room like, okay, guys, time to clean up, or okay, guys, it's time to do this. Like, you want to get on their level, make sure they understand what you're saying, especially that preschool age. Have them even repeat back to you what you're asking them to do so that it's super clear, and then you know if they're really disobeying or not, like, when they don't do what you say. Um, but, like, cleaning up the playroom, sometimes that's me going in there and like saying, let's do this together. Or you just go pick up the blocks and I'll pick up the books. Or you're just training them in how to do that the right way. Um, but then once they know how to do it, you can do that logical consequence of, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. To where they'll be better about responding when you tell them to do things. Um, for bigger kids, it could be something like... Um, you're wrestling around the house and breaking something and then having to pay for it with their own money. Um, something like that where they really understand that there is a consequence to, to misbehaving works for, for bigger kids. Um, another thing is um, our kids sometimes are really, they go through seasons of being really bad about leaving our back door open. And so having them practice closing that 10 times, like, okay, come here. Like the door is open. Can you show me 10 times how to close it the right way? Um, it's just kind of a logical thing. Like we're making sure you know how to do this the right way. It's really important to have conversations at the end of that so they're not just exasperated by it, but so they understand that there's a point to what you're doing. Like, oh, if you had closed that door the first time, you could be out there playing, but you're here. You know, so it's, it's important to do what mommy says when I tell you to do things. Um, creative correction. This is kind of one of those abstract things too. Um, so this is basically an object lesson that you're using to teach your kids appropriate behavior in a certain situation. Um, and so my example for this is when Lila was like three and a half or four, she was kind of getting that sassy preschool girl, um, tone every once in a while and words every once in a while. Um, 
And I'd heard of people, like back when, like when we were kids, probably like washing your mouth out with soap or doing sassy sauce, which sassy sauce is just like vinegar where you drink some vinegar or have some in your mouth, um, to teach you that the way you were talking was not right. And so I didn't feel good about doing that, but I, I wanted her to teach her, I wanted to teach her the right way or the appropriate way to talk and why we do that. And so um, after several times of her just not getting it with my words, we sat down and I was like, hey, the way you're talking is just ugly. Like the, the tone you're using is sassy and it doesn't feel good. And so I had her actually taste some vinegar at that point. And she was like, oh, and I was like, I know that's how it feels to my ears and my heart when you talk that way. And then I gave her a chocolate chip and I said, okay, now taste this. And, um, and I was like, isn't that better? And she's like, yeah. And I said, your words can be like that too. Um, and I think it was Proverbs 16, 24 that says pleasant words are like honeycomb. Like they're sweet. And so we talked about that and um, just how you get to choose if your words are like chocolate chips to somebody or if they're like vinegar to somebody. Um, and so we didn't sit down and do that again. Like she's had that, that was like a one-time lesson, but we can reference back to it um, because she got it. Like that clicked with her and she understood. And then we practiced. We we're like, how can you make that sound sweet instead of sounding ugly? Um, and then I've used that with our, with our older son too. We haven't done it with Tyler yet because he's... Um, He's like just turned three. Um, but I imagine at some point we'll do it with him too because something about that has stuck in their minds and they're able to switch. Like if I say, try again, like if they come in and say something, I'm like, oh, try again, try it kindly. Um, then they, they kind of remember that training from that. There's a whole book called Creative Correction um, that is published by Focus on the Family. I will say I have not read the whole thing, but the pages that I've looked at and the friend that I borrowed it from, um, it had some good stuff in it. And it was things like that, like just object lessons that helps you connect ideas with your kids. Um, and so if you go and look at it, like if you get it from the library or something and you read something, you're like, I'm not so sure about that. Just know that I have not read the whole thing. I'm not recommending the whole book, but some of the things in there that I saw were really good and really do work um, with helping kids understand appropriate versus inappropriate behavior. Um, and then after the, after the child grasps that lesson, you can incorporate other consequences. Like if, if Lila's sassy now, um, that's that disrespect, that's that bedtime backup. Because like she knows how to do it. Um, but now it's like we, we uh, have other consequences. Like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. This is all that I brought for you today, but it's not an exhaustive list of all the tools. And I do not do these well all the time. Like it is so much work to discipline well. Um, so when I mess up, I talk to my kids and I say, hey, I'm sorry I was impatient or I'm sorry that my, my tone was not kind because um, I mess up with discipline a lot. Um, but I think it's kind of like what uh, Elizabeth was saying earlier. When we own that and we show humility to our kids and, 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 sh and apologize and ask for forgiveness, that's just extra, extra things to model for them. And they know that nobody's perfect and that people mess up. So, um, so those are all the tools. And so I want to just talk to you about how important it is to know your kids and know what works for them um, because those, those tools are not one size fits all. Um, and so you have to know what you're working with. So like kind of back to that bonsai tree and the bushes and all the different things. Um, 
The first thing is be a student of your kids and what they need. Seek to understand when they're misbehaving in a certain way, try to figure out why they're doing it. And, and it's, it's our job to, um, to address the outward behaviors of what they're doing. But then we also need to dig deeper and see if there's anything else going on. And a lot of times, there's not. Okay, a lot of times it's just them um, being childish or being, because they're, they're children, um, or um, testing boundaries um, or just childish foolishness. And childish foolishness is, I think Dr. Dobson kind of coined that phrase, but it's like, it's just kids being kids because they don't know any different and they need to learn. Um, they need to learn the appropriate versus the inappropriate behavior um, and just know that they're going to do things just because they don't know any better. So that's also, so you have to, that's, that's a training thing on our part and not necessarily like a consequence thing all the time um, when that's the case. But then you might uncover that there's like, if, if a child is lying all the time, you might find out that there's something deeper underneath that you need to parent that's feeding into that desire for them to lie. And so it's our job to spend the time, ask the questions, watch and see um, just always seeking to understand when we want to be frustrated over here because they're doing all these things, push yourself back towards seeking to understand. Um, take note of what discipline tools and styles work best for you and your kids. Um, I have, you know, there are times that my kids respond really well when I'm using like a firm mom voice and there are times that I need to use a gentle voice and I'm heard just as well, if not better, um, because I'm using a different type of tone. Um, so take note of what works and then use those as your, as your regular go-tos. Watch for patterns in their behavior um, and then train, as, train and adjust things as needed. And so what I mean with, by that is like, if there's a certain time of day that they're always misbehaving, or if there's a certain time of the week that they're always misbehaving, um, or certain activities, certainly certain family dynamics, um, or friend dynamics, if there's, a, if there's anything that you can connect the dots on and see that there's a pattern of misbehaving, then zero in on that and see what needs to change. Either it's, it's training your kids to be in that situation and behave differently, or maybe it's getting away from that situation and just not doing that for a season. Um, but it's important to, to watch for those patterns because sometimes it can, it, it can teach us a lot about our kids. Um, and then build them up. Like, just like we like to hear when we're doing a good job with things and it makes us want to do a better job. When, when we tell our kids that they're doing a good job with something they've been working on, um, or if, if they come to us and tell us something that's a, a truth, like a, something that, that they could easily lie to cover up, but they're telling us something that's true and it's hard because they might get in trouble, praise them like crazy. Like tell them that, they're, that you're so proud of them for being truthful, even though they knew that they might get a consequence for it. Like any of those things, um, really praise them well um, for, for, doing, um, for doing well. Second thing, be a team. And what I mean by that is with your spouse, it's important to be on the same team as to what your like what the behaviors are that you're focusing on with it with your kids, and then the methods that you're using for consequences. Um, 
You can do that by having like a weekly sit-down meeting or you can do it just in passing or even over texting, like just making sure that you're both wanting, you're both working towards the same things and you're not undoing what somebody else is trying, what the other one's trying to do. And if you can't come together on that, then get your community group or other trusted friends that are also parenting to help you get on the same page. Um, And it's important to have those conversations not in front of the kids because you always want to be a united front with them. But it is so much more effective when you and your spouse are um, aware of the behaviors you're working on and doing the same methods of discipline. Um, the third thing, be consistent. It is, it is so confusing for kids um, when we're inconsistent with our expectations and inconsistent with, with disciplining for those expectations. And so it's hard and we get tired and like sometimes we'll say, do that or you're going to get spanking and then they do it and you have to follow through and that's a bummer. And so um, it, it will wear you down, but be consistent and you have to follow through on the consequences that you say you're going to do. Four ask for help. If you've heard all of these things and or if you've read about other tools and nothing is helping and nothing is working and being effective, there are table leaders at your table. There are mentor moms who are here. Um, I've seen people ask on the Nest Facebook page for ideas, but reach out, get people to help you, your community group um, or you have square one friends. Um, Ask people, like, tell them what you've tried, tell them the behavior it is, and then see if other people have ideas. I am, I mean, probably weekly texting either my community group girls that are in my group or other friends that have kids that are just a little bit ahead of mine and saying, this is what they're doing, what do we do? And getting, you're getting feedback, and those have been some of the most effective tools um, and ideas. Um, five, and this sounds a little bit strange, but be thankful. Um, like in the midst of all the craziness of disciplining, take a step back and just go, I am so thankful for the opportunity to see that bad behavior and the chance to help correct it. Um, because that's our job. And if, if we're not seeing those things, then we're missing things. And so just being thankful for getting to see them and getting the chance to work on them. And then the last thing is, um, have an expectant heart. It's like the verse that we talked about at the beginning, the verse for our year um, is that Galatians 6, 9. Um, there's a harvest and we're not harvesting yet probably, right? And we're getting there, but have, like, be praying for yourself and praying for your kids. Um, seek what God has for you in this tough season of disciplining and then expect him to be at work in you and in your spouse and in your kids as you're doing all of this, as you're navigating it. Um, and, um, and we just have to trust that, that there is that harvest at the end at some point. And we don't know what it is, but we know that it's good because he says that it is. Um, that is all I have for you. You have a few minutes at your table. Um, there are going to be a few questions up here, um, for y'all to talk about with each other.